Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at uh1.com. Celebrate this July 4th with a special presentation of a Capital Fourth. Join your host, Vanessa Williams, with performances from Sea to Shining Sea, starring Jimmy Buffett, Gladys Knight, Alan Jackson, Cynthia Erivo, Pentatonix, Renee Fleming, Train, Jennifer Nettles, Mickey Guyton, Jimmy Allen, Ali'i Cravalho, Laura Osnes, Ali Stroker, and the greatest live fireworks display in the USA. It's a Capital Fourth, sponsored by the Boeing Company and American Airlines, Sunday, July 4th, 8, 7 Central. Only on PBS. My name is Dave Hanready and there will be no encore. Welcome to episode 257 of the No Encore Music Podcast. Valentine's Day has been and gone. Craig, did you get any post down there in Kildare? My post, like Valentine's Day, is with O'Leary in the grave. No, um, I got nothing. It just passed me by completely. Um, how about you? How did you fare? I recorded a I recorded a new episode of No Popcorn with uh, David Higgins and Norma Howard, which is out now on your podcast feed on Dirty Dancing, which I watched first thing that morning, and then I watched two more films that day. Uh, you can get three films in if you're single during a pandemic. And probably get more. Day, so no, maybe. Yeah, You've I really I felt like put I in some effort, Dave. Come on. I felt, like I, I felt like I should draw the line somewhere, you know? It was At a, a certain point, it becomes slightly unhinged, so kept it to three, you know? Two rom-coms and a western. That's me. Anyway, uh, this is a music podcast on the Headstuff Podcast Network. I'm Dave Hanready. He's Greg Fitzpatrick. And we're back for another week of things, things being music news, and a top five. This week's top five, best and worst Irish number ones from this century. That's a very wordy one, but I promise you... It'll yield gold, oh, and yes. I presume from Craig's end, it'll yield absolute terror and awfulness. Uh, as noted, there is a new uh, there is a new no popcorn out. 
in your feed at the moment. You can get that for yourself right now. And uh, next week on the show, we're going to have our very, very first track-by-track album breakdown episode of 2021. Of course, this is a format that we uh, introduced there towards the end of last year. I've done a few in-depth interviews if you haven't heard them with the likes of Pillow Queens, Alvaretti, Denise Chyla and Murley, Paddy Hanna and Nilo, in which, as the name would suggest, you talk to an artist about their new album. You go through it song by song and see where the conversational jumping points come across thereof. Hoping to get more done this year. Obviously, times are strange, but we'll see what we can do. But there's one in the bank. And next Wednesday, you'll be hearing me in conversation with Dublin singer-songwriter A. Smith, whose album Last Animals is out now, as of this podcast dropping, so take some time over the weekend and get into that. Uh, A. Smith was previously a guest on this show uh, a good while ago. Uh, he's formerly in the band Van Music. He's kind of gone off to do his own thing in the last few years, and has very much been fi- kind of uh, finding his style, really. This album is acoustic singer-songwritery, there's band elements to it as well, and it's very much, like I say, it's like an, like an individual artist finding his own voice. So here's a snippet from the upcoming episode, which will land next Wednesday. I think when you're an artist and you're putting singles out and you're kind of moving with the times or moving within a scene or whatever's happening in a city you tend to keep tabs on yourself and what you're doing and like let's do this because you know what i mean some things feel like the right time and then when it came to doing the record i found that i wasn't on social media anymore i wasn't really paying attention i was just it's a good move it's a really good move (laughs) yeah and I went no matter who you are I guess it really is and I went well like who is because these are like pop songs and they kind of work a certain way and like I said I write a lot and I record a lot and I'm like there's all these other things that are a huge part of who I am as a writer and probably as a person and a storyteller and they don't get any airtime. yeah of course and I just went I'm going to just shut everything out now and I'm going to be really really uh, selfish with what I'll do and I want something that I can just go you know what for a moment in time I listened to my inner self or something like that it's hard to articulate but I just kind of went turn everything off let's sit down let's play all these songs and acoustic guitar and really go to town on the arrangements and how they move and flow and then that's how it just became a slow burn. Track by track episode with A. Smith landing next Wednesday on your No Encore podcast feed. It was an absolute pleasure to speak to the man and it was an absolute <sighs> pleasure to get back to this format. Uh, a very length, uh, lengthy and in-depth conversation taking on all kinds of subject matter. And I, you know, this is how I start this show by talking about another show. <laughs> I've gone very meta and in-depth and made Craig sit there I'm, the entire I know, time I'm very much looking forward to it. To I, I want to point out in case um, <laughs> my mic picked up me going, oh, it was because I took a sip of this spark sparkling water infused with elderflower and apple that I was talking to you and Adam about pre-pods that is disgusting. It tastes like perfume and uh, that was not me <laughs> expressing my disdain for the interview, which I'm hyped for. It was me just uh, yes. literally Classic. physically retching <laughs> at my own Classic drink. sparkling water, <laughs> apple and elderflower excuse. I mean, like, raise your game, you know, just raise your fucking I game. Know, I'm it's trying, not too man. hard to do, you know. Trying. I've got a... I've got some San Pell beside me here. I've got a green tea going. It's, it's all happening. Uh, and also, yes, listen, uh, if, you, if you're if you a fan of the show, if you like what we do, whether it is track by track episodes, whether it's our no popcorn music and movies dive, whether it's the main show that you're listening to right now, it's patreon.com slash no encore if you'd like to help support the show. Throw us the price of a pint and in return, you'll get our undying love. You'll get bonus episodes and you'll get playlists and episode previews galore. Uh, we will, of course, be recording our next episode of No Ox cord at the end of this month and that'll be where craig and i will give you a lot of musical recommendations 
friends. Uh, before we get going on this episode, though, I should say, and this is music related, um, there was a tweet doing the rounds last weekend where somebody was like, can you, w- without naming the person who's the worst person you've ever interviewed, and I was this close. I drafted out a tweet and I was like, I can't, I just, I, like, I can't post this because my tweet was going to be something along the lines of, uh, famous singer, um, like fell asleep mid interview and was oh. generally a rude prick full stop. And then I was going to go is currently serving a 29 year prison sentence for far more significant That narrows crimes. it down significantly. Yeah, it does. I can, I, I, this is the podcast. I can name who it was. Uh, trigger warning for horrific things. It was Ian Watkins of Lost Prophets fame, who I interviewed in person, of course, a few years ago, approximately six months before he was uh, put away, I believe, and uh, shook the man's hand twice, Craig, and it haunts me to this day. You could have tweeted it. That he's, been... he's not reading it. Like, I, I believe I the last that it was I heard too... of him was he was getting his um, phone confiscated from him in prison, which he had hidden up his unspeakable parts. So right. he ain't reading it. We won't. Yeah, I mean, in fairness, it was more that I just felt that it would invite, it could potentially invite people to, like, be like, who is it, Dave? Or, like, it could be, like, a playful thing, and I'm like, nah, this just, the nature of all that stuff is just way too murky. But, uh, yeah, and, like, who would your worst one be, Craig? (laughs) Oh my god, I mean... Can can you beat that? (laughs) (laughs) I feel like I shouldn't name anyone now, because it's just, like, immediately invoking someone kind of awful. Um... We've talked about a few. We probably talked about um, a couple of disaster interviews, right, on our um, Patreon exclusive episode over Christmas, so people could check that out. Well, we did, yeah. Um, it's on the Q and A. They've signed parts up. one yeah, and two. So, so listen to that. There's a very fun discussion around that. There's been a few bad ones um, in terms of unpleasant people. Um, I remember interviewing an Iona Institute uh, leading light for for the whole repeal discussion. And just, yeah, it was just a conversation that went nowhere, as you can imagine. And there was that awful moment of like having kind of an argument in an interview and ending the interview. And then me, like it was a phoner and me realizing that I needed his photo for the piece and having to ring uh. back to me like, can you email? <laughs> <laughs> Jesus Christ. Okay. I mean, in fairness, like it's probably fitting that we're talking about uh, this to some extent and that Craig is plugging the Patreon Q&A because uh, we got a really good email this week and it is of course uh, noencoreshow at gmail.com if you ever want to get in touch with us about anything um, but we got a, an email from a listener named Stephen on Sunday night I believe saying hi folks I watched the Britney Spears documentary last night and I think it might be a good issue to discuss on the podcast I'm a similar age to yourself and I remember seeing how the media treated her I suppose at the time I didn't appreciate the viciousness and the impact it was having on her it was incredibly ugly to see it played back on the documentary and my heart breaks for her. It raises a lot of questions about the accountability of the media and the behaviour of Justin Timberlake. Uh, he also went on to send us a tweet from a kind of a Britney Spears stan account, which actually does do a very big breakdown of a lot of the current events that are happening. And so um, thanks very much, Stephen, for both the email and also the song that you sent directly to me, which I thought was absolutely incredible and may very well feature on the next episode of No Ox Chord on patreon.com slash no encore. But for now, yeah, Britney Spears, Framing Britney Spears, the documentary produced by the New York Times. Uh, I'd actually watched it on Saturday morning because it's kind of doing the rounds. Everyone's talking about it. I think Neither Nine did a, like a, a full episode on it there about a week ago. Um, and yeah, I mean, like, it's a strange one in terms of the documentary. I guess I'll start there. I didn't think it was a great documentary. I thought it was only okay. Expected more, I think, from the New York Times, considering their resources and their pedigree. Um, it's a bit straightforward and pedestrian. It's only 75 minutes, but it feels a bit longer. Um, yeah. And I, I kind of knew the story. As did I. It didn't really... 
Yeah, it didn't really hold much in the way of revelation. So it gives you kind of a potted history about Britney Spears' rise as a teenage pop sensation, how she was marketed, you know, the kind of sexualized nature thereof, and also the relationships she would get into, the frequent battles she would have with the media. Um, there's a focus on horrible, horrible paparazzi. There's one guy in particular who's interviewed, and this guy should be taken out and shot, as far as I'm concerned. Daniel Ramos, um, who, yeah, it was like, he's asked, he's asked at I mean, one point, like, you know, he says, I didn't realise that she, you know, she wanted to be left alone, seemed totally out of character at one point when she kind of um, goes at them with an umbrella. And uh, he's asked, like, did you not take it from when she was like, please leave me alone? And he's like, I thought she just meant, like, that specific day, not for the rest of her life. It's so <laughs> weird seeing that footage. It's like, it's watching an assault, basically, from the paparazzi in oh, person. completely. But it's also, so it's claustrophobic. Like you, it was, that was a real gut punch. You have also, like, the same guy talk earlier, I think when he first appears, and he's saying stuff like, you know, it was a mutually beneficial relationship. She got something out of it. We did. Uh, we got something out of it too. You know, it was like we were having fun with each other. And like, it's the lengths that these fucking scum will go to to lie to themselves and to anybody listening to them is outrageous. Like, I've seen documentaries of Britney Spears before. I remember watching one about 10 years ago and it would show you footage of her. Like, you know, they'd have to close a store and block it out and have bouncers everywhere and have like sheets and kind of barriers from people outside and it's a terrifying life for any celebrity of that nature. And the documentary, you know, I guess shows you some of that. I mean, it was strange that like, this is a new documentary made by the New York Times and like, they didn't really do a lot new. They interviewed um, somebody close to her who was her assistant for years and her friend, a family friend called Felicia, um, whose surname I forget. But, and she, she comes across like a very genuine person who clearly cares about her as a person. Yeah. Doesn't really give a shit about the industry and she eventually kind of gets phased out. Um, but a lot of it is archive footage. A lot of it is like interviews you've already seen. Even the way it's framed, uh, like it just felt a bit like a very well-made college project at it's times. Kind of join the dots, and, isn't it? Yeah, and then at the end of it, like it gives over to the the stands who are currently you know mobilizing to fight her conservatorship that her father holds over her and the whole hashtag Free Britney campaign, etc. And it's very much like there's a part of me that is like. Yes, there are people out there fighting, like fighting her battle on her behalf, but it's still a very parasocial thing, and I don't quite know how healthy that is. Yeah, I mean, it's um, it, it is the most positive kind of manifestation of that that I've seen for sure. But it's still, you know, the the point is made at one point. I think it's um, MTV VJ Dave Holmes that's like saying, you know, she is as much as you want to go through like um, her Instagram for clues and stuff. She's an unknowable person, and you can be a fan, but you kind of really don't know the ins and outs. But it's good that they wish her well for sure, and it certainly seems in contrast to maybe elements within her family um, where they're just kind of the fans are very much appreciating what she did for them growing up, their formative years, kind of you know just kind of what she went through and their ideas around kind of forming identity and they want to kind of give her something back and then the people that are actually in control of her uh it seems like it might be a different story like when you mentioned that um the point about kind of just getting the most out of britney spears i think her co-conservator is called andrew wallace there's a character called andrew wallace at some point and he describes this um estate conservatorship as like to be seen as a hybrid business model and how profitable it's going to be because she's touring relentlessly and you know she's the consummate professional but she can't make her own life decisions it's very very shady there's also that thing as well about the whole free britney thing where it's like is it dave holmes as well who also says that look, you can project what you want to yeah. onto this. If you want to come away from those Instagram posts with a red twine conspiracy wall, you can do that. Um, I think like the, the main overall point, and certainly what I would share with a lot of the reaction and certainly from the email that we received this week is 
it's a it's been it's been a pretty horrible time for her, a pretty miserable life, despite having millions of dollars in superstardom. Like it's it's so strange in as much as like you know I remember all this happening as well, of course, in real time, and um, I, like I don't quite recall my reaction to it. I would like to think that I wasn't you know enjoying it or anything, but like. It's just a weird thing where, like, the media had such a fucking sway and such a power, and it was so common. I mean, we've seen a lot of stuff this week coming out of it off the back of this. For example, like, that David Letterman, Lindsay Lohan interview, which is doing the rounds at the moment, which is absolutely disgusting. Um, and lots of that kind of stuff as well. There's a lot of play in the documentary given to Justin Timberlake, who apologized uh, last weekend. He issued an apology to Britney Spears and Janet Jackson in a post on his Instagram account, um, in which he said, I am deeply sorry for the times in my life where my actions contributed to the problem, where I spoke at a turn, where I did not speak up for what was right. I understand that I fell short in these moments and in many others and benefited from a system that condones misogyny and racism. I specifically want to apologize to Britney Spears and Janet Jackson both individually because I care for and respect these women and know I failed. Um, of course, that apology was instantly met with either people saying stuff like, now that's how you apologize, yay! Or people being like, not good enough, fuck you, die. And it's like, cool, this is the discourse. Well, I don't Um, think they wanted him to die. They just wanted him to give all of his wealth to various organisations and leave the industry. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) I mean, that's slightly more realistic, I suppose. Um, And look, listen, I mean, like, I'm not here to defend Justin Timberlake. Obviously, I like some of his music. My Love was recently in a top five. Amazing song. Um, He does seem like a bit of a knob, like, you know, like like long before this. Uh, And I remember stuff, even like the stuff about him and Kylie Minogue recently. And I remember like the front page of the Red Tops for a while, like when he was had that Brit Awards performance and like, you know, he grabbed her uh, on the posterior. And everyone's like, you know, this guy's living the life that we all want to live. And it's just like, Mm. like, the whole thing is like. Then he had to move to the woods and it all went downhill. Hey, made a great album though, at least, you know. Very true. Um, but no, I, I just feel like it's, uh, there's a part in the documentary where it focuses on him and you have stuff like, you know, he's on like a Howard Stern-esque radio show and they're like, did you, did you sleep with her, Justin? Or maybe it was more vulgar than that. And of course he's like, yeah, okay, I did it. And they're like, yay. And it's just like, this is obviously horrible and, you know, in no way yeah. am I suggesting it isn't. But it was also... It was the culture. It was the culture of, like, American radio and American media. And also, he's breaking out from NSYNC. I presume he's early 20s. He's on the front cover of a lads mag at one stage. Details, I think. And, like, my God, the fucking headline in the subhead. The headline is, like, can we forgive Justin Timberlake for all that sissy music? And then I think the rest of the sentence is, like, of course we can. He got in Britney Spears' pants. And it's, like... This is all horrible. Yeah, there's there's no doubting it whatsoever. But it was but the like, culture. I remember someone, that, like reading music someone, magazines someone, at the time. It was all lads, yeah. lads, lads. Like it was crazy. And as someone here who bought lads mags for a long time, you know, I bought FHM. Oh, know, did you I really? Maxim. <laughs> of course I did. I was fucking a teenager, man. Like, like I mean, I'm not like I'm not going to sit here and pretend that like oh I was reading fucking GQ like, was as far as I went. <laughs> the New Statesman when I was 16. Like you know, like I, I like I absolutely did read those kind of magazines for the articles, though, of course. Um, but no, look, listen in that. Regard, of course, yes, articles. <laughs> it's all about cars mate yeah. uh, listen in that regard absolutely we are as as a society hello the joker uh definitely culpable um in 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 these things and contributing to them but at the same time you know i'm not this isn't like me like taking the focus off myself or maybe it is but you'll see the same thing you'll see people like i've seen people already who are like watching this documentary and putting a post being like, oh my God, we all owe her an apology. It's so sad. And they're the same fucking people who are sharing memes and the memes are like, 
if Britney Spears got through 2007, you can get through Monday. And it's just like, Jesus Christ. I mean, like, I don't think there's an easy answer here. I think the entertainment industry is fucked. I think it is misogynistic. I think it yeah. is racist. I think it is designed for white guys like Justin Timberlake to ascend to the top of the tower. And also, yeah, the, it's your classic contrast situation, right? Where like Justin Timberlake having sex is cool. Britney Spears having sex is disgraceful. How dare she? She's a slut. Horrible shit, you know? And ultimately, I think something you said earlier on, like something that the documentary doesn't really get to because of course they didn't have access to her. Um, we don't know how she's feeling about any of this. She did put out a statement, which again, people were scrutinizing that one. She was like, I've seen all your posts. I'm trying to live a normal life now for a while. And they're like, well, that in itself is a coded message. I don't know if it is or if it isn't. She's still around. She's still making music. She's clearly battling for independence. It's strange because this documentary almost feels like a bit of a living eulogy. Do you know what I mean? Like there was times when I'm yeah. like, and there are, and there are people who kind of like run with this kind of stuff. And yeah, and I guess the last thing I'll say on Justin Timberlake is, Fair play to him for apologizing in as much as, like, it was long overdue. I think it's a decent apology. I'm not going to be like, it's not good enough, it's 20 years too late, because I just don't agree with the bloodletting. I think ultimately, like, surely if you watch a documentary like this where somebody has been arguably destroyed by the pressures of individuals, whether they are pricks with a fucking camera, uh, like, snarky, like, morning radio DJs or VJs, or just the average fan... I don't want to see everyone go after Justin Timberlake now, eye for an eye stuff. I just don't really well, that's, buy that's into that kind of thing. Well, that's the whole thing, isn't it? It's the, like, it's the machine for me to get all. But, like, you know, Justin Timberlake, I, you know, I presume he's sincere in his apology. And I've no doubt that, like, as you said, he was late teens, early 20s when all of this was happening. We're, you know, two decades on. He's a grown man. I'm sure he's matured and changed a lot in his own life. And we're different people to who we were two decades ago. But it's the, you know, the system is still more or less the same. It's this industry. It's like where it's, you know, a snake eating its own tail. That thing of like the paparazzi kind of keep going after the people and, you know, start get clicks, all that kind of stuff. Then when they lose their minds quite reasonably because they're constantly being hounded, that's more fodder for it where the stories become about how they're having a quote unquote mental breakdown and it just goes on and on. And now the narrative becomes, is Justin Timberlake doing enough? It's some twisted kind of real soap opera. And all it does is put money in the pockets of people we don't know about. Pretty much. Yeah. And I mean, like, like and and again, like this is not we're not here to like do an overlong defense of Justin Timberlake. Like obviously, I the one thing with the documentary and the one thing with the kind of current conversation that I absolutely do think hasn't put across quite well is that Britney Spears is absolutely a victim, and you can be a victim despite having you know huge wealth and success and talent. hundred oh, percent, yeah. You know, and she you know like comes across in the documentary like based on other people's testimonials as just like what she was kind of marketed as. You know, like you know the girl next door, the all American girl who just had talent and wanted to be a star. And unfortunately, a lot of bad stuff came with it. And unfortunately, it hit a breaking point where people turned her into a horrible punchline that she never deserved whatsoever. I think she's made some great music along the way, like legitimately has some great stuff. And I understand why people are drawn to her even without the horrible kind of tabloid nature. But yeah, like I say, I just kind of feel like this this documentary almost fuels it a bit um what did you think of the documentary yeah i was um there was some moments as i said that just kind of really struck me particularly when her brother came out of nowhere i was like what she has a, a brother brian spears i believe and just like he gave a kind of offhand remark about all the women in his family wanting to be strong and do their own thing which is deeply infuriating to him which i think was quite telling and it was a few telling moments but they almost felt like they stumbled across them rather than did any really kind of heavy lifting 
And when you talk about her musical talent, um, Felicia, the, the personal assistant and friend of the family who comes across very genuine at the start of it, she said she agreed to do it because in part she wanted to remind people of her immense talent and like what she was all about. And the documentary proceeds to do kind of none of that. There's some early footage of her doing like Hit Me Baby One More Time in a mall, which is crazy, really. It's surreal. It's like seeing Elvis do, do you know, perform in a mall or something like that. But then from there, it's just the roller coaster of court battles and constant working and the paparazzi stuff and I didn't I don't feel like I, I learned much more about Britney Spears outside of all the imagery. And of course we don't even know if she even got those requests to be interviewed um because of the nature of her kind of legal standing and her independence. So yeah, as a revealing documentary, it didn't do a lot for me. I'm really glad I watched it. Um, and thanks to Stephen for the recommend just to kind of get some of the nitty gritty. And apart from those kind of moments, yeah, that was kind of it for me. Yeah, I mean, I, I mean that's fair enough, really. Like, it's, it is, there are better examinations of the entertainment industry out there as it being a pretty awful place to exist in. I think the message is fairly saying, like, it's hard, it's in the right place. Yeah. And, you know, even, even though it does really end on, like a lot of you know conspiracy stuff and a lot of kind of stand stuff and a lot of kind of like it like it really did feel like as a as a production it felt like it was running out of room it was running out of things to say and like they didn't have a lot and that comes across but at the same time what i will say is listen i mean like like we said at the start of this i didn't learn a lot but there are people who will yeah like there are yeah. lots of people who will watch this documentary who will have had no clue wouldn't have lived through it to some degree and it could be brand new information for them and in that regard it's a good thing that people will obviously see this and hopefully come out of it in a sympathetic way and look listen like i say you know we're all guilty i've i've written some things about musicians i've said some things in the show about musicians that isn't always fair or kind I don't mean for it to be malicious when it is, but it can, of course, come across like that. And it can, of course, sting people. And, you know, you know, we all want to fucking try better and be nicer to each other. But unfortunately, negative reviews are negative reviews. And that's a whole other story, Craig. What's next on the news agenda? In terms of other stories, um, yeah, in an industry full of villains, um, one pantomime villain seems like maybe he's a pretty good dude. I'm always nervous of saying that kind of thing in, in this day and age. But um, Alice Cooper... Good bloke, right? Just likes his golf, was in Wayne's World. Loves and kind golf. Of, yeah, down yeah. to earth and funny and cool. Great in Wayne's World, of course. <laughs> Fantastic. Yeah, great great cameo. Um, he's been talking about his early days in his career. This is a very Radio Nova story, by the way, which I, I kind of like. <laughs> I miss those days. <laughs> but he's, he- can you uh, can you give me your best like Radio Nova presenter, like, I guess, you know, rock enthusiasm voice? Well, Marty, uh, Alice Cooper's got a new album out, but he's been casting his eye back to the 60s when he was first starting out. Um, I cannot <laughs> continue this. I feel like you're better at that kind of thing good. than me. But yeah, it's, it just all comes back to you. But he's talking about how um, he can't really shock people anymore. And I don't know if I really agree with him. Um, so he was basically saying that like back when they started out and, you know, Mar- uh, Alice Cooper, I know he said Marilyn Manson there, um, Freudian sleep, slip, but he... Um, he very much kind of like was proto Manson, really, wasn't he? In terms of the kind of acts, just trying to shock people on stage for the sake of it. And he's talking about how, you know, we gave the audience everything their parents hated. The way we saw it, if you're driving by and you see Disneyland on the left side and a plane wreck on the right, you're going to look at the plane wreck. We were that plane wreck, which I think is a great quote. But he says, now you could cut off your own arm and eat it on stage and it wouldn't matter. The audience is shockproof. Do you agree, Dave? I feel like we're... I feel like if someone cut their own arm off on stage and began to consume it, uh, I'd probably be distracted. <laughs> and be, Take away be from like, the musical experience somewhat. 
Well, Marty, Shock Rock puts his arm on the chopping block, if you know what I'm saying, and other such. Uh, I, I do miss doing the Rock Report. It was a lot of fun. Um, yeah, look, I, I get what he's saying. In fairness, he's right in some respects. It's funny because, like, again, not to harp on about aforementioned Marilyn Manson, yeah. but, like, one of the great Onion gags for a while was, like, Marilyn Manson now going door to door in America to try to shock right, people. Right. And it was, like, all these things are contextual, though. It, it, like, It's the same with the Britney Spears thing, where it's, like, I'm sure there's an upcoming generation right now who are like, what? They used to have lads magazines and this was like a completely acceptable thing. Like, and it's like, and it was, it was, a that was an industry. <laughs> like that was a fucking industry, which I presume made hundreds of thousands, if not millions of pounds. And it's like, you know, you look, you look back at these things with a 2021 lens and like, I'm aware that like saying stuff like, well, you know, it was the start of the time is, is a weak enough argument, but it's also like, all you can do is deal with what's happening in front of you in real time at any given moment. And I have to assume that Alice Cooper in the seventies was probably genuinely terrifying to an awful lot of people, but those days are long gone. Yeah, <laughs> like, <laughs> very much are. And in terms of kind of more recent stars, um, Lil Uzi Vert has not cut off his arm and he's not eaten it on stage. He's got a diamond piercing in his forehead and people are up in arms about it, uh, quite frankly. Have you seen the story previously, Dave, about him getting this? Yeah, I did, actually. He's come I saw... out with a kind of rationale. Yeah, well, I saw some footage of it and, like, in fairness, it was one of those ones where, like, I deliberately didn't put it in a running order previously because I was just, like, at, at the time, I, I think you have chosen this story for a reason, but, like, at the time, it felt like a bit of a one-no thing and it also felt like a bit... Like a lot of people, a lot of Daily Mail kind of, you know, can you believe this, you know, like black rapper is doing this yeah. thing? Let's all laugh at him. Even though it is, of course, quite over the top and bizarre and an awful lot of money is involved here. But yeah, I mean, like, I think we're through with the days of just being like, oh, like that's different to me. However, as you say, he appears to have had a very good reason for doing this. Yeah, so the diamond itself is worth $24 million. Uh, he said he started good paying stuff. for it in 2017. So I was thinking this has got to be some like promotional thing where he's being lent it by, you know what I mean? It just seems like a thing that he did not buy out of his own back pocket. But no, he's been making like, he's been meeting the installments since pretty much he came on the scene, which I think was 2015, 2016. Um, to be fair, I'll say like, 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 I'm actually, I'm happy to hear that detail because that, the the business of these things is never discussed because that's not attractive, right? So it's like, I've often wondered, I'm like, how did you, oh, okay, this is like a mortgage. Okay, fair enough. Yeah. It, like, says, it's an investment. He says it's the most expensive purchase he ever made, um, which I'm glad of. And that obviously it's worth more than all his cars and his home combined. Um, you know, people were calling him out on um, Twitter, uh, of course, because of its similarity with uh, the Bindi Um which is a um, kind of sacred thing in uh, Hindu culture and, and Jainism as well, I believe. Um, he kind of responded to a couple of tweets uh, initially. Um, someone had come out and said, you know, where are all the people saying cultural appropriation? I guess it doesn't matter when it's Asian cultures. And he had responded, hey, glad to see you you sharing your thoughts and knowledge, but I'm not mimicking anything I know a lot uh, about and love different forms of art. Um, do you know where these images are for, for, from? Honestly, I love y'all. Uh, his more recent explanation is it's totally a practical move, <laughs> apparently. So he was with, he was talking to Fat Joe on IGTV, as you do. And he says, I'm Lil Uzi. Uh, I'm turned up. Um, $24 million on a ring is the stupidest idea because I'm going to look down and that ring ain't going to be there. I know me. I wake up in odd places and different uh, sceneries, he says. So he got a button in his forehead so he can't lose it, which kind of makes sense to me, right? 
I gotta wonder about the sleeping situation, though. I mean, I've got plugs, like ear kind of stuff, and like sometimes. Oh, I thought you were coming my... coming clean about your lustrous locks. <laughs> your fringe no, is no, looking no, this particular is all... boss today. So I was like, what? I was You've gonna got say plugs? like like. I feel like, yeah, and I looked in the mirror before I, obviously I can see myself right now because it's the never-ending Zoom era. Mm. And uh, I've got a bit, I, I guess I got a bit of a James Murphy, Mark Hoppus thing going on today. That's great. I just kind of like threw loads of clay in it and I was like, fuck it, I'm not going anywhere. This isn't like, Craig loves me by now. I don't need to dress up for him. So it's all good. <laughs> um, Adam, though, the jury is still out. Who knows what he's into? But basically, um, the c- loose, rough, terrible comparison I was going to make was that like, no, I've got like, my ears are like fucking, you know, stretched and stuff. So it's like, sometimes going to sleep can actually hurt a bit. I'm like, like surely if you've got a massive diamond in the center of your forehead, you're, you're lying on your back only, right? I mean, like, I don't know. The whole thing just, it raises too many questions, Craig. <laughs> it raises... I hope he's doing okay. He seems to be doing all right. I mean, he's paid off the 24 mil, so <laughs> onwards and upwards for Lil Uzi. <laughs> <laughs> Congratulations. During a pandemic as well. That's impressive. In this economy. Uh, what's up next? Um, Pharrell has been saved by legally blurred lines. So um, this court case that never seems to go away um, has now, I think, gone away. Um, A judge has been a bit of a bro to Pharrell, it would seem. Um, Did you know this kind of sprung back up? This is the famous or the infamous blurred lines uh, copyright case uh, where the estate of Marvin Gaye were claiming that it was just a rip-off of Got to Give It Up. Um, The court found that Pharrell and Robin Tick were liable for infringement um, and they had to give something like half of the song's royalties to the family as well as like a huge one-off payment for damages um but they took them back to court um, thereafter i think i feel a top five coming on here craig this is like top five bad ideas song wise (laughs) because like this has to be number one right like this blurred lines thing from every conceivable point of view all it has done is cause massive problems over the past eight years is it at this stage yeah yeah robin hicks got a new album which we were I don't think we were mulling over in terms of a review, but we noticed that it was on the in, on the kind of order. <laughs> I couldn't believe what and I was he, seeing. He's come out and yeah. said, he was talking about the music video for Blurred Lines, and he was like, I will never make a music video like that again. I'd lost all perspective on my personal life and what was appropriate. So he's still um, very much on the apology tour for it. Fair play, but also it's not like he's ever going to get the chance. I know. I know. Like it's, it's now <laughs> out of his hands very much. <laughs> <laughs> don't think you have the budget don't think you have the reach like it's gone those days are over and yeah sure wasn't he thrown under the bus by everyone involved they were like like it wasn't it's his song and i had nothing to do with it and then robin thick's defense was i was out of my mind on coke for a year i don't know what happened yeah like, robin thick was yeah. basically like i do not remember anything that happened whatsoever which does not stand up in the court of law um it's like colin farrell filming miami vice which he's great in but he literally he didn't like, remember any of it. he doesn't remember any of it God, <laughs> he amazing. literally is like i don't remember a thing about filming that movie and it's like it's one of your best performances such a vibey film yeah it's good just to kind oh, of I love chill out to, like have on the background soak it up i'm telling you um but this more recent court case was um as a result of rick rubin it's turned out hey there he is so, innocent hashtag rick rubin innocent <laughs> <laughs> the court case was done and dusted then a year later uh pharrell was talking to rick rubin for gq and he kind of innocently said that the song was reverse engineered from uh, Marvin Gaye's original. And Marvin That's a Gaye's, really, really, really good way of saying ripped off, but go on. Marvin Gaye's estate, like, obviously read GQ, and they're like, oh, reverse engineered, was it back in court? <laughs> <laughs> 
so it's only just now being um, wrapped up and the judge found in favour of Pharrell um, he said that the statements that he made in the November 2019 interview were cryptic and amenable to multiple interpretations being a total bro to Pharrell he said for example it's unclear clear what he meant by reverse engineering read in context uh, it could be interpreted as a process in which he remembers his feelings when listening to particular music and then attempts to recreate those feelings in his own works which was kind of what they initially said they were just going for the vibe not the song um yeah i mean horrendous song but i did feel like they were unfairly like they were a bit hard done by uh, in legal terms right because it doesn't sound all that similar to like the melody you've got to give it up i don't know i'm uh, that estate is very litigious okay let's move on let's not uh what's megan the stallion up to this week um she's on track to get her university degree dave congratulations Um, megan the stallion that's great yeah um she's obviously doing quite well with the music and she's been doing the college stuff, I guess. In Sorry, the are you like are you like a family friend there? Are you still at the music? Very much like very... when I was managing to juggle no encore and my masters in advertising. You know, just me and Megan, dude. Um, but yeah, she basically put out a, a tweet um, saying that she's going to graduate in the fall and she's going to more importantly open up her facility um so she was studying health administration full-time before the rap career took off um and she's just been kind of doing night courses ever since to get it done she promised as well to open up an assisted living facility so really kind of nice idea she said okay i obviously want to pursue a music career what can i do with everything i've learned i know i can use my funds from my music career to help my classmates run this assisted living facility and she's on course to do it which is just a real feel-good story i feel right some artists are pretty good i'm all for it and speaking of um where do you stand on 2004 hoobastank love ballad the reason (laughs) um somewhere in the corner trying to make my mind up about it escape the room <laughs> yeah. is it uh i like that song i always have i must say um i think i, I think i said this before but like there was years ago like fucking 11 years ago 12 years ago whatever it was uh i was in the, i was in the final of a battle of the bands and there was loads of different bands there of all different kinds you name it you name a style in a, a like, skiffle like, like a genre skiffle uh, Dave. there may not have been there may not have been a skiffle band okay, so you're uh, a liar. It, it was but it, it was the final craig like I mean, sk- <laughs> they were skiffle in- can only go skiffle can only go so <laughs> far most. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Like, like, un- unfairly, you know, like, reputationally damaged. Never had a chance. Yeah, Chaz and Dave is, did so much damage to that genre. Anyway, but sorry. I remember vividly. I remember vividly being in the green room in Ficker Street, and there was like twelve different bands, and no one's really talking to each other. Everyone's too cool, you know. But then, like, there was a television on in the corner playing MTV. And Hoobastank's The Reason came on, and there was an impromptu sing-along in the room, what? and it was great. I swear to God, everyone got involved, because the song's that good, Does man. Zach Braff it, it, script your life, or something? I I'm can't not going to say John him. Hughes, a, Zach Braff. That's a horrible... I'll Garden take John stage. Hughes first. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, uh, Hoobastank The Reason, a great song, terrible band name, fun band, I guess, on occasion. Um, they're back in the news somewhat, because they've gone viral on TikTok, I believe. Everyone's singing The Reason now. And their frontman, Doug Rob, my favourite stereo comment was, of course, the frontman's name is Doug. It's like, <laughs> so specific. Uh, he did a new interview at Stereogum. Stereogum's a great website, go read it. And basically talked about, you know, getting to grips with this newfound fame and all that kind of stuff. But I thought it was interesting because he, like, he reflected back on the time and how, like, he said that the reason, like, the song became bigger than the band. 
you know, as can happen, you know, and he was just saying that, like, it was something we had to struggle with. We put out our first album, it went platinum, we toured behind it. We felt we'd established ourselves or were in the process of doing so as a band that had some staying power and building a foundation. And then this song comes along, takes off without us, basically. And it became bigger than us. For a while, it was a weird thing to accept and embrace because it wasn't what we planned. Um, he mentions, like, you know, we had this huge radio hit. The next thing you know, we're playing sold-out 15,000-seat amphitheaters to 14-year-olds and their moms. While it's happening, it's amazing. But six months from now, those people aren't going to be at your shows. And in the process, you alienate a lot of people that were going to be at your shows prior. Um, and so I said that, like, basically, like, you know, despite the fact that it was their big moment, uh, it's not something that they could really enjoy, you know? And I mean, I guess he's kind of talking now about, like, getting used to this idea and kind of reappraising the song and he's happy that it's found this new audience he said that there's one member of the band in particular who really kind of like would have had a lot of problems with how the press talked about them and the sensitivity thereof and i mean like they're kind of one of those bands that like have like two or three songs you might enjoy that same direction one with Kanye west inexplicably in the video crawling in the dark is another good one but they were certainly like you know a broy ish college rock radio band of the mid-2000s and i just thought it was slightly parallel wise to the Britney Spears thing in a way in that it was like here's here's an act that like are a bit of a punchline and here's a guy who is now like you know your classic you know like older guy with kids like he talks at one stage about how he's like oh like I mean I keep reading that there's no good rock bands and I'm sure there are I just don't really keep up with it anymore and it's like you know it's just like it's like he's like 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 he's a dad now i know and like had this moment in the, song, but the moment itself was, it was in a band called hoobastank hoobastank yeah i know like of all the fucking things with an infinity symbol on the o's by the way of like it's just so cr- cringe uh but i mean i don't know i, I just thought it was a nice kind of thing because it was like someone who's not complaining about it he's someone who's just kind of being a bit realistic about it and just saying like the industry is a fucking weird thing and it was a very strange time, and obviously it was a success, but, you know, they probably felt quite small about themselves, Craig, and that's just that's just how it goes, you know? I mean, like, sometimes on this show, people say nice things about me, and say nice things about you, and I I just shirk away, and I listen to The Reason by Hoobastang for a while, and then I feel a bit better about myself. Does that work? Uh, yeah, that's the news. I, I try that? <laughs> Is that your remedy? Yeah. Okay, I'll give it a go and report back next week. Yeah, if I was if I if I was asked by like a broadsheet newspaper or something Brezzy style, uh, what should I do to get through this? And I'm like, listen... Just get up at five in the morning and put on Hoobastank. <laughs> uh, I want to go listen to Hoobastank right now, but instead I'm going to play you an ad for another podcast on the Heads of Podcast Network. This one, like the last one, it's the same one. It's all about food. It's called Spice Bags. Sounds a bit like this. Spice Bags is a podcast about food in Ireland from an international perspective. Hi, I'm May. I'm an American food writer, and I'm with my friends Blanca, a chef from Spain, and Dee, an Irish food editrix. And we are the Spice Bags, three sassy ladies with a lot to dish up. Join us for the chats. So yeah, listen, uh, no album review this week because I guess we just couldn't decide on one. And like, this is our new policy now, isn't it? It's like, let's not review an album for the sake of it because it would just be really boring and pointless. And there was some stuff out at the weekend. I listened to a few new things. Pale Waves was kind of like Avril Lavigne filtered through the 1975. The Clap Your Hands Say Yeah album, I had a bit of an allergic reaction to that one. Um, We just, we found ourselves kind of being like, look... Our heads are kind of done in as well. Let's not just uh, focus on a record this week. If, if for well, we never it, want to know. cheat the listener by going through the motions, which I don't think we do on this show. So much better that we have a top five that we're excited about. And I'm hyped 
I'm loving this best and worst slip, split. I'm just like, I'm intrigued. Okay, so this was a Craig's shout and a Craig selection, and I pushed you towards worst because I think we are alternating and I think it's your turn. But can you break down what this top five is, why we're doing it, and what kind of week you had putting yours together? So it's the top five best and worst Irish number ones of the 2000s. Um, the reason for that proviso is we might revisit this one for um, the 20th century. Uh, basically, I stumbled across the Wikipedia um series of articles that just kind of lists them all and there was gold in them hang on hang on hang on hang on on. i'm gonna have to stop you there did you did you just do 2000 to 2009 or 2010 of the 2000s which is like 2000s is for as in like now it's like you have the tens oh yeah yeah well 2000s okay yeah yeah hold on a sec so wait so 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 did you leave out the tens no 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 i did until now like Oh, okay. Well, then carry on. Oh, yeah, I, yeah. I, I thought it was. No, but I was just wondering: does the wording sound like I just mean the first decade? Because two thousands to me just means this side of the century. Are, are we leaving all this audio in? <laughs> I don't know. Why not? But like, I guess just continue, and we'll go from there. So, since the <laughs> since the year two thousand, um, we'll be bringing you the best Irish number ones and the worst. And yeah, so we're including we're, the year two thousand. By the way, that's another pedantic argument that we don't want to get into. Yeah, I messaged Dave one. last night, being like, "Are we including two <laughs> thousand? Because, like, you know, a large part of me is like, it should be two thousand and one. But I was not going to come on mic and be like, "Well, actually, I think you'll find that the twenty first century started into so." Um, yeah, we're sticking from two thousand onwards. And I was watching average two thousand six horror movie Silent Hill, and I was just like, Craig. <laughs> it's like let's not, let's not get into this. this vortex of nightmares speaking of a vortex of nightmares i'll kick things off and uh yeah when i was combing through those wikipedia pages um i was of course awash in a sea of mediocrity record industry ventures kind of you know talent show stuff crap cover versions i realized i was kind of immune to a lot of it right but one that really needled me was from an act that should have known better Hold up, hold up, my bad. That was 80s pop rockers Escape Club with Wild Wild West. Uh, I always get them confused with my actual choice. Can you guess from that what I went with, Dave? You're not about to do what I think you're about to do, are you? I might need to get my boots on for this one, Dave. <laughs> oh, Jesus Christ. other 80s pop rockers there you too <laughs> back in 2009 would get on your boots um the future <sighs> needs a big kiss dave <laughs> it sure does it certainly does right yeah. now he was prophetic as always that you know, was from or... no line on the horizon um which is actually a kind of thoughtful like you know quite ambient work up until i think the point <laughs> of recording it the bono like panicked and then stuck a bunch of like fun radio singles in the middle of it. But uh, I presume there's probably like a Rolling Stone article somewhere that's like, well, actually, the best U2 album, the most considered and thoughtful. Oh, there definitely of, is. Yeah, 
Hundred percent. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm pretty sure there was some American a flawed Bridge masterpiece, <laughs> <laughs> a noble failure. Uh, this song is horrific. Congratulations, you're off to the fire. <laughs> yeah, it was um, originally called I think Four Letter Word, which is a better title. Then Sexy Boots, which is a worse title, but you know, get on your boots is just terrible. People have compared it to like Bob Dylan's Subterranean Homesick Blues, that first thing, um, Pump It Up by Elvis Costello. But actually, yeah, it's the Escape Club every time I hear it, which is not a good song either. And like you two are a band with a big team around them, a record label, loved ones. Someone should have come to them and said, this song sounds like at least three other songs and it's not good. No one said it. It was um, number one in Ireland where I think it was the only country it went to number one. You know, we we always say you two get a bad rap on Irish shores. Actually, they were let off uh, the hook on, on this occasion. It got to like 37 in the US, I think, and then dropped out after a week. It was an absolute disaster. <laughs> it's totally tied to my mind with them performing it at like the Grammys. Do you remember that? And Bono is like, Bono clearly is in love with the song at the time and thinks like, this is our next like vertigo. This is elevation. It's got the riff. It's I'm doing my cheeky McFeisto thing again, kind of. And the audience are not digging it. <laughs> and like the band are like, shit, this is not going well. <laughs> and it did not go well. Was, well, hang on. I, yeah. like, I was going to say, like, if I went to number one here, I was going to say, like, we take care of our own, as we Bruce do. Springsteen once said. Yeah. But what I was going to say was, and you kind of beat me to it, is that, like, you two will always give you a naff single, won't they? I mean, Vertigo, hello, you see, I love, five years previous. I actually really like Vertigo, and I know you despise Vertigo, so I, I realise now that... My the name way- is Dave Hanretti, there will be, this has been no encore. <laughs> the way you feel about you Vertigo, like Vertigo must be the way I feel about this, because Vertigo is definitely on the path to this, right? So, yeah, the the DNA is there. Um, Steve Lillywhite, the producer, was talking about how at one point in recording, the main riff was dropped, which is like the only kind of semi-redeemable thing about it. (laughs) And he said it became a bad Beck B-side that could have been cut from the album. And, yeah, Adam Clayton was talking about it and he did the... um, he did the brilliant thing of just being like, actually, interestingly, it's, it's going off really well live, which is what big bands always say when their fucking single totally flops. But Larry Mullen Jr. Um, disliked the release. He did not want it as a single. And uh, he called it a catastrophic choice and said it was <laughs> the beginning of the end. We never recovered from it. And yeah. Well, that's that, that's categorically not true. Well, I think he means, you know, the album, the album promotional cycle, which is kind of true, I guess. And I do think this actually paved the way for much worse atrocities like i think because this did so badly they so had do you mean to- by them or do you mean in general i mean like for example well, in, in the world the i'm not gonna put that on covid19 he's making things better <laughs> um but you know when they come to their, their next album which is like five years later bono kind of insists that it's going to be put on everyone's phone because he is not willing to risk another album flopping so yeah um the disaster that was get on your boots except in ireland where it was number one for one week only led directly to their next album being on everyone's phones and pissing people off royally go on the lads (laughs) all right um so yeah so i'm obviously on the side of the angels this week (laughs) top five best irish number ones between the year 2000 and the year 2021, I mean, like, I went through all of them, you know, obviously, because, you know, that's how you do these things. But, like, it's a really interesting kind of rundown in as much as, like, obviously, you're dealing with predominantly pop music because it, these are number ones, right? So they go to number one on the charts. People are buying them on the radio. Um, there's not a lot of 
weird outliers you know me i love a good weird outlier like there wasn't a lot of that yeah almost very little of that really a lot of kind of familiar names and some really good stuff though i mean like it was this one was kind of easy for me so i'm glad i took the best approach to it this week but um i'll try and throw in a curveball here or there this might be one of them at number five for me It's One Direction. The it's boys. perfect. And uh, it's close to perfect, I would say. I think it's one of their better ones. Hold Great on. chorus. Close to perfect. It's the one for One them. Direction song I, I kind of like, but <laughs> yeah, for them. <laughs> for them. I mean, in the context of One Direction. For sure. I mean, it's this or it's What Makes You Beautiful, I suppose. Really, I must confess, I'm not a Directioner. I don't know a lot of their stuff. Yeah, uh, the whole about. phenomenon kind of passed me by a bit. Uh, not with like, you know, intense snobbery towards it. I just didn't really buy into it too much. Um, did watch that season of The X Factor, though, that they didn't win, of course. Who won it? Wasn't them? Oh, it's a good trivia question. They came third, possibly. Yeah, yeah they were third it? or fourth. I cannot. People are remember. people are screaming at at their phones right now. The answer was, of course. Do you want to guess? No. It was one of the blokes, was it? <laughs> like it was one of the blokes. James yeah. Arthur kind of character. You're not too far okay. off. It was a guy with an acoustic guitar and a bit of scruff. It was Matt Cardle. Okay, Matt Cardle. Yeah, yeah. And and did didn't he go on cl- Clairo song? Didn't he? He did, yeah. Uh, he did uh, When We Collide was yeah. his version of wow. Many of Horror, of course. It was uh, pretty terrible. And yeah, I mean, that's another thing you'll see, though, in the charts, especially around Christmas time in the Irish charts for quite a while. Whoever was the X Factor champion that year tended to get an English-Irish number one off the back of it for a few weeks. Um, yeah, One Direction, of course, were the real success story of this uh, the series back in 2010, 2009, maybe. Um, and I've gone on to do all sorts of things. Uh, interestingly enough, this is from the album Made in the AM, which was their last album as a group together. Zayn was gone. Zayn had already gone off. This is 2015. Um, it was only uh, on top of the charts for one week, though in late October 2015 okay and um so Zane's gone off to be Zane you know he's gonna have to do some mysterious stuff and he's starting to like you know get tattoos and smoke weed and do cool (laughs) interviews and he did an interview and um he was asked you know have you heard the new album by One Direction that you're not on and he said I heard the first single then I heard the second one which is this and he goes and yeah then I didn't buy the album oh my god shade this is a better song than Zane's ever done it's great the chorus rules um I would love to do karaoke to this. I would love to close a live no encore show with us singing this song, even though we can't sing. It's just infectious and fun. I also love how literal the video is. It's crap. It's like the lads in a black and white video in a hotel, just milling around. Nalhorn is like in the corridor, just singing. <laughs> Harry Styles is trying on clothes. And it, it, it really does feel like this is over. <laughs> like oh, this yeah. It's done. Yeah. <laughs> But, it, but I think it's a really good, I think it's a great pop song. And I was just like, yeah, I love this song. It's going in. Number five, baby. Very good. Okay, speaking of getting tattoos and smoking weed, here's my number four. Hey. You know, she beat me at darts and then she 
beat me at pool And then she kissed me like there was nobody else in the room As last orders were called was when she stood on the stool After dancing to Kaylee singing to trad tunes I never heard Carrick Fergus ever sung so sweet A cappella in the bar using her feet for a beat Oh I could have that voice playing on repeat for a week And in this packed out room swear she was singing to me oh. she Ed, 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 Ed Sheeran oh I haven't heard it in so I know. long. Galway it's, girl. Oh, 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 oh. If this isn't if this is your number four, what the hell is your number one? Can I hijack you for one yeah, second? Go ahead. Because I just want to point out this is 2017. I'm sure you know this. I'm sure you have this. But like the charts in Ireland in 2017 are highly questionable. Ed Sheeran is on top with Shape of You from yeah. the 13th of January until the until the 10th of March when he is knocked off the charts by this Galway girl by Ed Sheeran for 2 weeks, two weeks including only, yeah. including Paddy's Day and then he relinquishes the top spot to himself yeah, again. I know. Shape of You is back in there until the 28th of April. So with the exception of the first week of January in 2017 when Clean Pandit were on top quarter 1 is Ed Sheeran. And was this around the time that maybe the rules changed or the charts looked at changing the rules thereafter? Because this was probably the point where it hadn't factored in a lot of digital or streaming stuff yet, right? And I imagine Ed Sheeran was just one of the last remaining artists that was actually shifting like copies in Tesco and stuff. Well, no, no, I think it had because I think I, I, think okay. I remember us talking about this possibly on the show because I remember there was a week where literally numbers 1 to 17 or 1 to 18 it was on pure the okay so it was just was, after was, that was, was was the entire album like it was just like jesus this is like so the, the system is gamed you know game is rigged it's so yeah the fact that it was number one for paddy's day as well it's just like i mean we're talking about you two and supporting our own this is kind of like supporting our own via the granny rule i guess just getting edger <laughs> in because he's got Irish family and it's you know it's an unintended song, insult to the country, um, our female population, our nightlife, um, Connacht, um, Sharon Shannon, uh, everyone. But yeah, Irish people still lapped it up, which is just, it's still raw. It's, it's painfully recent, this one. And we've gone in two-footed on it quite a bit before, but it just still beggars belief. It was actually written with um, an Irish folk band, Bioga. Bioga, um, yeah. And They've gone on to have a career off the back of this, in fairness to them now. So. Yeah, like a proper trad band, yeah. um, which I guess you can pick up from some of the backing. And Johnny McDade and Foy Vance were in the room as well and did nothing. Um, so you <laughs> lads are on the list. Um, his his label apparently fought against this song. Um, didn't want it on the album, never mind it being a single. Uh, Ed Sheeran himself said they were really against Galway Girl because apparently folk music isn't cool. <laughs> that was the reason. However, uh, sly operator that he is, he was able to convince them that to um, that including the song would be great because it will be fucking massive because there are 400 million people in the world who will say they're Irish even though they aren't. So he saw that market. <laughs> this guy is a businessman to the nth degree. This was also the summer where he just kept announcing gigs in the Phoenix Park and elsewhere and it just would not stop. I mean, listen, you're right. We do go in two-footed a lot. We've talked about him quite negatively a lot. Uh, you've interviewed him. You found him very kind of boring and just like... Well, I, I caught him way. on a bad day. It was just like he was... Yeah, yeah, end of an I don't. Cycle and I, I, like 15 yeah, minute job. he's an easy he's an easy target for people, including me, who have often often gone after him. Um, but I don't hate him. Like you know, oh, no, like, he seems like, like I don't, a nice bloke. He's I don't despise him. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, but 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 he's also but, and we've talked about this before. He's weaponized the nice bloke for thing, sure. Oh yeah, there's there, you in know, bad if you, ways. If you dive in, into the in, lyrics. Like, 
toxic masculinity as well like like they're, they're, there's, there's you know even of... this song like he and the music video Saoirse Ronan I mean you're not helping, you helping doing? the cause <laughs> <laughs> it's very much going into the kind of aside from the Irish stuff it's like the whole manic pixie girl thing which is weird territory in this day and age as well um, oh yeah, isn't there isn't there a section of this where it's something like about her drinking him under the table or something? Yeah, it's all that like, kind of shite. And like he's talked about, right? Like he said, the opening line was about um, female member of Bioga, um, who wasn't from Galway. And then he goes on to say that like I tried to change it because obviously there's a song called Galway Girl, another song, but uh, no other places fit, um, which is probably fair. A cavern girl probably wouldn't quite work. Carry girl, limerick, limerick girl. I don't know, but yeah, just kind Leitrim of. It's girl. all very like. calculated um, and dead behind the eyes, and it just feels very Carol's gift shop, doesn't it? Yeah, you love that reference, and I love it too. Okay, <laughs> number four for me. Uh, back on the best Irish number ones of the last twenty-one years. Uh, I want to dedicate this one very specially to Mango. Speaking of Michael Mann's classic Miami Vice update in yeah. 2006, this is Numb Encore by Jay-Z and Linkin Park. Uh, Mango, of, of Mango and Math Man fame, of course, uh, is not a fan of this song. And I just wanted him to feel really good about that while he's listening to this because, listen, man, I love you, but this is an absolute banger. <laughs> <laughs> like, I, I won't have it. I won't have the the, the critique no matter how well in, intentioned or informed and in fairness Mango is correct we talked about this before myself and him and he, he was like it's just the most cynical thing he's like it's the most like let's let's unite the fan bases synergy. and make all of the money yeah synergy it is uh, so this is of course Jay-Z and Linkin Park from their EP Collision Course um, so it came out at the end of 2004 but it's number one in Ireland for three weeks uh, from the 6th to the 27th of January in 2005, knocking Band-Aid 20 off its perch. So I think some good was yes, done there. Yes, very much know. so. Maybe not on the charity front, I don't know. Um, but yeah, this was the only single released from the album. And like, you know, it is uh, fairly... It, it does almost feel fan-made, doesn't it? Like, like at times. It doesn't really feel... They perform together. Like, they obviously, like, you know, it's an official project. But it does feel just very kind of like mashup. It's, before yeah, that it's was really ta- a thing. Well, it's not kind of tail end of mashup culture, no? Is it not? But I'm thinking more like in the last, like, we're in this kind of mode now oh, yeah. where, like, it's, oh, it's Toxic by Britney Spears. But if Deftones did it, like, like that kind of thing, which is very popular on YouTube now. Yeah, yeah. Um... It's You're talking about of, actual mashups, like like proper like. Do I'm, remember I'm that early like, wave of it happening? Yeah, and, yeah. Um, yeah, it 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 feels a bit slightly bolted on, but it does it does work. Like I I preferred the original of uh, Encore, but this brings back kind of good memories. And I think just two kind of massive entities colliding is always cool. A couple of memories to this song, which are very Dave. Now I think about it, uh, I remember. I think first hearing it in an extra vision because the music video Yay. was like on in the background. I'm like, oh, Jay-Z's doing the thing. That's Lincoln Park. What, what were you? Uh, what were you renting? I have no idea what I was renting. What would have been out? 
2005, yeah. lots of films, Craig. Please <laughs> narrow it down. <laughs> January 2005. I don't know. My brain is just short-circuited, even though like I was working on Extrovision into it. What would you have recommended so to me if I had to come to the counter <laughs> and draw? Imagine we had a met that way. I would have been, I would have been like, oh man, I love that job for a while, but I did think I was Randall from Clerks for a bit. So I'm, I'm sure I had my moments of, of ignorance and I apologize to anybody who had to be on the receiving end of that during my illustrious run <laughs> in a, in, in, in a no long, in a defunct enterprise. <laughs> and Those yeah, were the days my, though. My other, um, image of, of this song is just Colin Farrell in like a speedboat, which is also very Dave, I feel. Um, and both good images. That's me. So yeah. Fawn spot in my heart. Hola chica. Yeah. No, I mean, listen, I don't have a lot to say. Hola chica. That's what he says. I know, I forgot that bit. <laughs> and when he's like... And they head for Cuba you, for drinks. Uh, it, it's funny, but he's got that bit as well, like at the start of where he's in the nightclub and he's... Uh, he asks he asked the, the bar lady where she's from. I think she says like Puerto Rico or something. And he's like, yeah, but you got your tan in Miami, didn't you? And I'm like, oh my oh, God, this Philip... <laughs> I need to watch it again. It's so good. The song rules. Sorry, Mango. Uh, yeah, just give me one second because my cat is scratching my yoga mat and I'll just let him in. Is that a teaser for what the song is or is this something that's actually happening? Oh, it's actually happening. Okay. Wow. <laughs> I'll just keep talking. How's it going, listener? What kind of week are you having? Uh, I hope it's involved lots of great music and potential cats scratching yoga mats. I've never met Craig's cats. He has two of them. They're very, very lovely. Bowie and Magnum, I believe they're called. Harlem. They're... Uh, <laughs> Har- what, what, why do I think it was Magnum? Because you've conflated Harlem with um, his other name when he, he started visiting a random house and they, we found out he was being called Marmite. So you've got, that's ah, where your M it. comes from. Yeah, yeah. That was weird. Just my, my sister saw on someone else's fucking Instagram stories Harlem coming into in their window and just like them being like, oh, there's Marmite. And my sister was like, what? It's my cat. Can't trust cats, man. But that was Bowie there. Um, he's now left the room. Um, and good timing by him. I have him. no problem. <laughs> because I have no problem with, like, like with the cats being present for podcast recording. Track. Like whatever gets you through it. Please, please don't feel embarrassed. Oh, he was fine for the, the show. The he, he's been here for the entire time, but it was the, the, there's a yoga mat behind me and he was just reefing at it with his claws and it's a new enough yoga mat. So... And you just wanted to <laughs> tell everyone that you do yoga, didn't you? This is. <laughs> don't think we don't know it. <laughs> Humble bragging away. Uh, yeah, he left at the right time because here's a cut from... An Sting act, and his uh, new album. <laughs> to play us out. <laughs> to play us out. Do what life. does that mean? <laughs> Please go. Okay, Louis Walsh is a blight on our nation. Um, which <laughs> <laughs> much like the potato blight was back in the 1800s here he is here's one of his acts Welcome back to the show. Six. This is their second time, I believe. Yeah, there's a whole lot of loving going on back in um, <laughs> February 2002. Um, four weeks at the top um, for, yeah, six. I think this was, they had one hit after this and then it all fell apart. Um, but what memories they were, were also, forged? <laughs> not, to, not to get lurid here or anything, but I guess tying back to something earlier in the show, I'm fairly certain that the uh, female half of this crew were in a lads mag. 
that I bought back in the day. I'm sorry. I apologize to literally everybody. I'm sorry. I was probably 16. I'm sorry. And was this post Louis Walsh's handover? Of, or was Because I just remember like really comfy white clothing with sleeves that were slightly too long and like frosted tips on the lads. I was living a more innocent life, I think. Yeah, you're slightly younger than me and obviously a bit more woke uh, in your earlier years, but uh, I don't it was Loaded that. Magazine. Again, I apologise for putting money in the pocket of the uh, disgraceful uh, fourth estate that was Lads Mags. Never bought Zoo or Nuts, though. I'm proud of that one. You know, didn't go that far. It's nice, okay. nice. Please um, stop me from talking. Well, this song was, of course, a cover. If you're wondering about all the references to the Utah sky from this new Irish act. Uh, it was a 1975 hit for Guys and Dolls. Um, it was like their only hit. Um, I actually have the original here and I was like, this is going to be a case of like the original is obviously rubbish as well. And like, you know, they had nothing really to work with. But actually, I think this original performance has some kind of heart and swing in it that was just completely just washed away in the bland synthetic kind of Backstreet Boys sonic backwash of the time. Wow, nicely put. Um, yeah, I, I remember this happening, you know, and again, it was, as you say, it was one of the situations where we let it happen, you know, no one intervened. And I remember it happening, but I just remember it being such a damn squib, like such a, such a non-event, you know? I mean, it just felt, it just felt like nothing from the get-go. It, it was very clear that it was not going to work, that it was not going to be the new Westlife. It just wasn't there. It just wasn't there. And then it became this nothing like this almost non-footnote in irish music history but i feel like that um, the song is very much of that ilk isn't it because it's just the sentiment of it is so wishy-washy and nothing like there's a whole lot of loving going on like there's it's just it's not committing to anything um i mean god bless everyone involved but just not a modicum of like charisma or musical personality on display here maybe it was like sucked out of them by a vampiric louis walsh i don't know the song yeah, choice what's he had to say about this has he ever talked about it or i'm not sure just... he doesn't bring them up too much i mean he's had a lot of success but i think he files this under the likes of i don't know bellfire was <laughs> not one of his acts oh my <laughs> god remember them jesus and then you had a uh, carrie ann remember her yeah that was another one yeah yeah i mean like it's a weird conveyor belt of irish pop sensations that didn't quite make it i think even six like six members never quite works does it I'm just putting that out there, um, but I feel like even the name is very... You can get away with five, but six... What about six, nine? Slipknot, you know? Nine works. Uh, nine totally works. Yeah. I think Nine's the magic You number. get to five, and then there's a weird no man's land, and then you're just a kind of more of a collective than a band, I feel. But, oh, um, well, hang on a minute. We, 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 talked, we talked lovingly recently about Overhead the Albatross in the show. I'm pretty sure they had six core members. Wash okay, your mouth out that with works. soap grade. That works. That is, the, that is the positive to the negative that is this. There is, <laughs> they've restored yeah. order to the force and the universe. Um, but glad. yeah, six, I don't know, made hearsay seem like NWA or something. I don't know. Right. Okay. So um, you've mined the well here of horrendous pop music. Yes. I will bring us back into the light with one of the great pop songs of our time, which scarily enough turns 20 years of age this year hit the music at him
course, it's Queen Kylie. Kylie Minogue can't get you out of my head. Number one in Ireland from the 22nd of September to the 13th of October in 2001. And I mean, look, it's just a five star pop song, isn't it? There's no disputing it. I can't imagine from your end, Craig. No, no. Um, it's obviously has that kind of we were just talking about six being totally inane. And I think what this song does really well is it kind of speaks to that in pop music in a really clever way. And it's just, it's very meta and it's a whopper melody. It's a great performance. The production is fantastic. And I assume you first read about this song in the pages of FHM or? (laughs) Well, I mean, like, again, not to get tawdry here, but like this was, and I remember this very, very vividly. This was like Kylie's big kind of, I guess, second chapter comeback, image change, rebrand or whatever, but it was a successful kind of return to form. Um, So when this came out, she was kind of back at it as it was. She was 33 years of age when this came out which was weirdly enough considered old. Uh, I remember the previous year, 2000, Spinning Around came out and had that video and everyone was like, oh, yeah. oh my God, I remember that she's video. hot. <laughs> How is this possible at the age of 32? Um, there's a quote from an, an American singer-songwriter, a lady by the name of Cara Gioguardi, one of the writers of Spinning Around, on her reaction before and after seeing the music video for Spinning Around. And this is an actual quote that she said. I went through years of rejection and my first thing was Kylie uh, recording Spinning Around. I didn't know who she was. I was heartbroken that Paula Abdul wasn't going to do the song. I was thinking, Kylie Minogue? Who is Kylie Minogue? I've got to make some money or I'm going to have to go back to my real job. And then I saw her ass in the video. She had those hot pants on and the video was sick. And I was like, okay, I like Kylie Minogue. I'm going to make some money here. So that's a pretty (laughs) horrific quote there, but she wasn't wrong. Straight cheer. But I... But I remember this. I remember Kylie Minogue, like the birth of the rebirth of Kylie Minogue, um, unlikely sex symbol in her early thirties. It was like, okay, this is weird. Um, was like, that? I, was I like, never. Yeah, I never really like eighty-seven. I know. No I never told, tied there. it to like her age at the time. I thought it was more of a thing of like her earlier career. She did all the kind of like cheesy stuff with Jason Donovan, and she was just never pr- projecting that image. So it was more just like, how did she go from so like vanilla and naff to someone with a bit of edge but yeah you're totally right yeah. it was it was just like certainly back then and i guess to a large extent now i just pop stars in their 30s are a rare thing doing this kind of music and again also so tabloid fueled as well like the the hot pants thing was its own fucking meme for so long i mean she it was, was like, going because, for that though right i mean the video course, was doing you know she was working without that question angle. Yeah. and it was very effective i'll say that much but also it was like you know these hot pants cost 50 pence and they've made this amount of money. And it's like, all right, cool. Um, so this song was written by Kathy Dennis and Rob Davis. And essentially they were shopping it around. Uh, they wrote it pretty quickly. Uh, one of those, you know, on the day jobs. Uh, so it was offered to S Club 7, who said no. It was offered to oh Sophie Ellis. It was offered to Sophie Ellis Baxter, who said no. Oh, which is, she would have nailed it. Yeah, she would have fucking nailed it for sure. Because yeah. I thought about it. I don't have um, Groove Jet, you know, Spiller on this list but it's up there it was an Irish number one and it's amazing um, but yeah Kylie Minogue got to it and she wanted to record it after hearing just 20 seconds of the demo smart lady knew what she was on to became a fucking massive massive song and is held up there I mean I think it's managed to hold up for the last 20 years it's got a yeah. cool video you know futuristic kind of thing going on 
And I, I guess it cemented her. I guess, like, you know, spinning around and on a night like this were the two singles that kind of brought her back to the fore the year before. But this was the one, right? This was the one where everyone was like, oh, no, hang on. She's incredible. This is brilliant. She's, yeah. a, she's a pop star. Could, I mean, like, she was already a pop star, but this is like, no, no, she's a she's legitimate yeah. bona fide pop star. And, you know, she's got the fucking golden pass now. Yeah. Um, and it got a lot of critical kudos at the time as well. Um, and, yeah, it did feel like it changed the narrative around her and kind of moved away from that image-based stuff, which obviously kind of stuck around for a while, but it was very much more about her as an artist and a star. And yeah, she followed it up with some great songs as well. Um, So yeah, I'm glad it came out. Glad she stuck around. Even her last album, I got some kicks out of. It was good fun. 20 years old this year, though. That is kind of terrifying. It is. 20 years old. Yeah. (laughs) What the hell? What happened? All right. Let's go back to the summer of 2001. (laughs) And I will say, <laughs> Irish people love it when, like, a no-mark DJ takes, like, a cheesy ancient pop song and, like, sticks a 4-4 beat under it and, you know, maybe sings it themselves or gets some randomer to do it because, you know, it's a hassle to sample it. And then inc- include some, like, ambient noise that it's, you know, as if it's recorded in a smoking area of, like, Time Nightclub circa 2001. This is very specific. You know what right? I'm talking about. There's a few of them out there. This is the most insufferable version of it, I think. When I saw you walking down the street, I thought that's the kind of girl I like to meet. She's so pretty, look just fine. I'm gonna make her mine, all mine. Hey, hey, baby. I wanna know if you'll be my girl. I guess we weren't going to escape it. I probably should have thrown the no novelty songs parameter upon you, but I was like, you know what? I'm going to let him just visit the ninth circle of hell this week. Take <laughs> I had to go it. all in. I mean, this was six weeks. Six weeks was that number one. <laughs> <laughs> DJ Otzi, I should say, with Hey Baby, um, parentheses, of course, ooh, ah, because people would only know it for that insanely catchy ooh, ah. When we did our disco top five, um, I remember saying like, you know, you go back to songs that feel like real cheesy, like wedding after songs and the likes of Rock the Boat and stuff. And actually they've hidden depths and like they're actually, you know, quite musically sophisticated. And no, this is like this is just one dimensional absolute pop that seemed to be everywhere. And it just shows the pop music was getting worse and worse around this time. Um, So DJ Otzi was an Austrian singer seemed to come from criminal the co- <laughs> he was a war criminal um, <laughs> he seemed to come from that like um germanic culture of like the beer hall and like doing the kind of um very beer beersy singing thing it's kind of weirdly english as well you see it with the darts like i think this was some darts player has this as their intro music as well it's Get out of town. <laughs> you know what i mean it's just and it reminds me of like my early years going to nightclubs that were probably not the best just really grim places and this would come on and people would inexplicably be like oh he's telling us to sing along and i just felt like what are you doing it's you know it's euro trash it's sung by an idiot (laughs) i don't know if he's an idiot but you know signifying nothing Join me as we march towards the abyss of last orders in this horrendous nightclub. I'm glad that you're getting into Shakespeare on this podcast <laughs> at long last. I threw on, sorry, like continuing Dave's film tour here. I threw on Orson Welles' Othello today. Nice. And 
I was shocked, Craig, because I was like, oh, Orson Welles doing Othello. I'm sure he's playing Iago, of course. And no, he's playing Othello. Yeah. Uh, for anyone who doesn't know the text, Othello is not white. No. And I was like, you don't see Orson Welles for the first 10 minutes or so. And then he turns around and reveal. even though it's black, even though it's black and white, he's wearing blackface. And I turned the film off, Craig, because I was like, I can't, I can't commit to this. I just can't. I love Orson Welles, but I can't do this. Um, I was going to say that this song is, it's everything you said it is, but it's also the sound of like a horrific 21st as well, isn't oh, it? Oh, yeah. Like, it's, yeah, it's totally as well. is. Totally is. Yeah. I think this is the kind of song that ultimately invents Pitbull as well right like this is the dark magic yeah yeah, yeah. I, I think he's manifest after this like after the fifth week of this being a number one um Ugh. i should note as well that like for people who can't see what our life looks like right now sonic architect <laughs> adam has made his zoom background is a giant photograph of dj otzi which is it's been a great moment sonic architect adam i very much enjoyed working with yeah, him but unfortunately that's like the this. end of that yeah. uh, i should say as well like you say like this is around the time when pop music starts to go bad you, you can track like a certain like trends and kind of phases and stuff but it's always there i mean i meant to say earlier on when i was talking about um the year 2006 briefly 2006 is pretty bad i'm sorry adam's like, put up tour dates 2021 to 2022 for dj otzi are we going not going no <laughs> no <laughs> no i don't care i don't care if it means okay would you if it meant that you were you were fast-tracked on the vaccine but you had to go to a week of dj otzi gigs which presumably he gigs like five times a day could you do it i couldn't no i'll stay in I'm my room at home for a while. yeah 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 it's grand all right I've got my controversial Orson Welles films to watch. Um, at the start of 2006 in the Irish charts, right? Um, the first, I want to say, six to seven weeks, number one was That's My Goal by Shane Ward. Mm. And then he was deposed for another six weeks by Pat Short with Jumbo Breakfast Roll. So we really have a lot to answer for in this country when it comes to pop music and what makes the top of the charts. Uh, shall I move on and bring some 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 good stuff back into this? Let's or do, do you have more to say it. about DJ Utsi? Are, are you... I think I've said it all, to be honest. Okay. <laughs> I'm not sure if um, he's an idiot. I shouldn't have said that. It was just the quote. No, but like... <laughs> you said it. Listen, you said it, Craig. He did release uh, like, this. He's got, yeah. Live your he truth. doesn't get a pass. Number two for me, in the best Irish number ones of the past 21 years, we're going to the year 2000. This ain't no blimmin' splish splash show. It's All Saints and Pure Shores, a fantastic song that, again, much like the last one, Can't Get You Out of My Head by Kylie Minogue, holds up uh, marvellously, I would say, 20, 21 years on. Sounds very, very fresh and cool, and people seem to love it. Uh, it was produced by William Orbit, and I remember him being like a bit of a thing for a while. I remember him getting an album of his own and nobody buying it, and I never heard from him ever again. Uh, this was, of course, a tie-in to a film. Can you name the film, Craig? Was it... Something beach-related, Dave. <laughs> You're correct, it was, yeah. In fact, can I just shock you? Go on, go on. <laughs> it was called The Beach by director Danny Boyle. 
Uh, based on a book by Alex Garland, I believe, who of course has gone on to his own film uh, cinema career. Uh, it's it, look, it's just a stellar pop song. Um, there's a great quote I dug out from Hot Press, a magazine that you and I are somewhat familiar with. Uh, critic John Walsh said that it quote goes some way towards justifying the fact that it is the biggest selling single so far this year, which is a really uh, a- excellent Hot Press quote. I find tells you nothing, tells you everything. All at once. It's great. No commitment whatsoever. <laughs> Zero emotion. But there's plenty of commitment and emotion in this song. Wouldn't you agree? Yeah, I really like it. And it's, it is it is pure... Well, it's pure shores, nope. but it's... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> <wrong credits. No. laughs> I was going to say it's pure uh, William Orbit because all those kind of little splashes and the synth stuff, that was everywhere at the time. He worked with Madonna. You know, this has... Um, this probably has the same ancestors as uh, the DJ Hotsey we heard because it has the, bele- <laughs> you know, it's a nod to Whoa. kind of Balearic dance, but this just goes in a totally positive, tasteful, emotionally um, deep, brilliant route. And then, well, we just heard the last thing. I won't say any more about that. But yeah, no, I always hope the song. Would you be a pure Shores guy or a Never Ever guy? They're the two, aren't they? Oh, uh, they're the two. What else do they have? Like they've had a good few, but like, what was their other their other big one? Uh, Never ever was like their big breakthrough. I know where it's at. That's great. Yeah, that That's is a great, great song. song. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Black Coffee's really good. Black Coffee's they fantastic. Fairly Booty call. tolerable under the bridge cover, I think. Oh yeah. Um, yeah. No, like I, I think All Saints are good. They had that comeback there a few years ago, and I remember there was at least we one reviewed song the album. Yeah, did yeah, we review was, the album? Yeah, we I don't did. remember doing it that. It was a kind of six all. out of ten, but it was like very enjoyable to listen to. It was it was good. Yeah, it was it was well worth them getting back together. Just to appear on ne- her show. <laughs> I remember, yeah, but but I remember Never Ever very, very vividly. Like, it was like this, it was the introduction. So it was just like, what is this? And it's a, a, a big chart topper, that one as well. It's great. Uh, tough question. I would probably, I mean, I guess it's probably this one because it's more immediate. Uh, I guess I've heard it more. It's endured a bit more. You know, there's fucking club nights named after it. You know, it's like a whole thing. Um, but Never Ever is amazing. What about you? To answer your own dilemma. I'd probably go Never Ever. And it probably is just that thing of like, you know, the first cut is the deepest, to quote a Cat Stevens song. That's why That's why he's him. That's why I'm me. That's why you listen to this show, listener. What have you got for me at number one in the worst? Um, I'm preparing for the worst. Yeah. I'm hoping it's not something that will really upset me, but it probably is, right? So, you know, a few of these songs have been a case of like pilfering something of some musical value, even if it's cheesy, and just reheating it to have like a hit. And much as I dislike some of the previous songs, it would have been negligent of me not to have this monstrosity at number one, considering novelty songs were still on the table. You probably have a clue. Here it is. (laughs) Headphones off. I can't even listen to it. Holding them high above my head. Headphones I'll take my apology. <laughs> I'll take I'll take my apology in the form of a written letter delivered by Crow. <laughs> oh my god, you just missed um a frog-like creature basically orgasming I think over Axel F. The song is Axel F kind of uh, it's crazy frog taking you back to a time when there was only music so that there was new ringtones as Alex Turner once sang. And yeah, this was probably where pop music really hit the skids completely for a little bit uh, because this was purely based on like all of those annoying advertisements selling your ringtones. Um, there was a full album 
of like Crazy Frog presents the crazy <laughs> hits. Jesus. Yeah, just like various songs, just like karaoke versions with this thing over it. Um, idiot. Crazy, Fro- an idiot. I think crazy it's okay. Frog was originally known as the annoying thing, apparently. Um, it hails from Sweden. So like on the one hand, you know, ABBA. On the other hand, this. And it goes back to apparently 1997. I was doing a bit of reading and some student, some 17-year-old student, recorded himself imitating the noises produced by a two-stroke engine, which was this noise, right? He posted it on a website and back in the innocent days of the internet, um, some like Swedish television researcher found the file and was like, you should be on TV. This is fantastic. (laughs) Just like, I guess it'd just be a TikTok now or something. So he performed it. It kind of took off. Then years later, another Swedish dude, it had died off, right? And then another Swedish dude discovers it, doesn't know what it is (laughs) and creates this character to go along with it. And then there's this actually kind of interesting story about the dude doing the voice, seeing the character being like, that's my voice, meeting up with your man and your man being like, you've no proof that you created this sound. So he had to do it for him. And he's like, okay, you're pretty good, kid. (laughs) Let's take this on the road. And then, yeah, it just became a big, I guess, meme, right? It's just like an early meme that just became a ringtone and was just fucking everywhere and I never got the joke. I never understood why people found it funny, much less have it on your phone. Like it's just, It was everywhere. Yeah, it really was. What the fuck was going on, dude? It was it was in lads mags, Craig. It was on <laughs> it was on television channels. I, the, the, I it was probably the frog did have his penis exposed as well, which tells you everything you that, need to know about the That time. was its own controversy, yeah. I just remember it being like on TV all the time and just it was never ending. Um I thought you were going to go with, uh, was it Dragonoid Den Stay or whatever the fuck it's called? That Ozone That's song? That's okay. Is, I mean, it's listenable. Oh, come on. Right? But it's, it's not, not listenable. <laughs> <laughs> like, no, but it's better than this, I suppose. But then, you know, I mean, being beaten up savagely is better than this. Your, uh, your man that created the character, um, I was just, I just saw an old interview with him and um, he was asked about like how he felt about the phenomenon and like, what, did he have any regrets? And his one regret was calling it Crazy Frog. He said, if, I, if I'd known it was going to be such a big thing, I would not have allowed them to use that stupid name. It has nothing oh, yeah, to do really, with the character. It's not a frog uh, and it's not particularly crazy either. <laughs> Although he's going in really like just some deep backstory to the character. Yeah, it sacrifices all the artistic intent <laughs> that he meant to convey to the world. But, you know, that's what, again, the entertainment industry, you know, it'll chew you up, it'll spit you out. And, um, you you know, you, you, you've brought the mood down. Now, that was your job. As I want to do, yeah. Valiantly, yes. Um, I'll... I'll take it back up for for my number one, my number one best Irish number one of the last 21 years. Do you know what it is? I feel like you know what it is. I mean, surely, surely like you would have seen it and been like, well, there you go. Like it's game over. Um, As soon as I saw it, I was like, oh, class, of course. Yes. What caught my eye? Crazy by Niles Barkley? Nope. That's not it. Um, Hey, yeah. He's wrong again, go folks. On. I'll give him one more. No, 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 go on. Rule of th- okay, fine. Right, listen. But, but I will say, I will say, right? It's a Dave and Craig anthem. Hit it.
Well, yes. Oh. It's only the best song of all time. It's only number one by Tinchy Strider featuring N-dubs. And I'm not even kidding you guys. I think this is one of the greatest songs of all time. It's a and Greg's song. right there with me. It's yeah, unbelievable. Yeah, yeah it's brilliant. Um, it's outstanding. It's perfect. It's so good, yeah. Um, I, it's I, not One Direction perfect. I it's didn't see. Perfect. I didn't see it in the list, so I, I didn't even realize this got to number one. Um, but it, it did, is number yeah. one. It got to number one. Apparently, apparently, it was the first time in history that a song called Number One went to number one uh, in the world. And how? Which I'm kind of shocked by. Um, yeah, it was number one on the Irish charts from the seventh of May two thousand nine until the fourth of June. So, like, you're getting an entire month there, which is pretty great. Uh, Tinchy Strider, I can't claim to be a huge Tinchy Strider guy. I don't know that much about him. Dappy of N-Dubs is obviously a terrible human being. <laughs> Adam sent me a compilation of him on Nevermind the Buzzcocks today. And yeah, he was good quality, wasn't he? <laughs> he was good. Yeah, he was good for He's a He's harmless, um, isn't he? I think is he harmless? I don't know. I don't Let's know. not go into I, it. Get into it. Yeah, I feel, yeah. <laughs> I feel like we've. I feel like we may have reported on some dodgy stuff before, but I don't know. I hope he's a nice guy. I don't know. Uh, what I do know is that this song absolutely rules. Um, it's just so relentless. It's just so good. It makes me feel good, you know. And like, and that's the thing. I mean, like, yeah, it was a bit of a hot press anthem for you and me. Uh, you definitely introduced me to this. Yeah, I because like I um I first discovered it when I was on a lads' holiday in Sudbury. Of course, it was a <laughs> yeah. stag, was it? <laughs> It wasn't a stag, no. I, I was young enough that uh, none of my friends were getting married at the time. Uh, but yeah, it was great. It was a good um, pick-me-up when you were hungover. And the, it's the middle eight for me. I mean, there's so many elements oh of the song God. that are pure, like, solid gold, but just one of the best middle eights of all time. The fact that well, a I didn't song d- that features the line, Dappy Explain, though, is so good. <laughs> it's just a testament to the genius of this. Alchemy. I didn't play the middle eight. Yeah, I, I played post-middle eight there, but it's like, and like, I don't know when we'll do it. We are going to do middle eights on this show as a top five. And like, I'm sorry, but this is probably going to be number one. because It's just the middle eight is unbelievable. And like the entire song, though, I swear to God. I mean, like, like, like the good thing about this is, um, and you know, like, I don't mind, you know, potentially oversharing because it's what I do. But like, uh, I've been having a really fucking shit time lately. And even like doing the show, even like last week, you know, before we came on mic, I was like, guys, I got to warn you is I'm not in a good place and I'm going to try my best to get through it. And like, it did help, you know, it, it, it always does. Um, but doing this top five this week and getting to go back and listen to number one all over again <laughs> for the first time in so long, I just kept hitting repeat, man. This song is fucking, it's serotonin. It is endorphin rush. It is it's Brazzy so, recommended. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's just I can't like I can't be mad. I can't be sad. I can't be upset when this is on. I mean, like, like, I'm not a doctor, so I'm not prescribing this. But like, I'm telling you, few other pop songs of this nature feel genuinely anthemic and life affirming to me, and it's there. Uh, I think on a surface level, it's pure surface, and that's the point. And it's just so uplifting. It's so much fun. Uh, I like I I just I tuned out the world this week listening to this song and you know and it's not like oh it's a silly pop song like haha it's fucking unreal <laughs> like I can't get over how tight it is I can't get over how how it keeps ascending you meant that middle eight is ridiculous yeah. it's incredible it's the ascension throughout it just yeah you're just on a ride for the duration yeah and to call a song number one like <laughs> and you're presumably chasing a number one deserved absolutely fucking deserved thank you to they nailed Strider. it they nailed it and dappy i guess too why not so yeah that's the top five this week guys um oh, once again choices. enjoy that <laughs> 
what a deep dive it was. Um, yeah, I mean, I hope you tempered your research this week by, 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 by finding some good music. And also, let me ask you this real quick though, like, cause you had your fill. Like, there was lots and lots of opportunities here. Was there anything that came close that didn't make it in? Was there anything that you were like, or was this like, how quick a job was it for you this week? It w- it wasn't too bad actually, because you know, obviously, there's a huge amount of dross that I could have picked from, but it was I just w- went with the ones that made me viscerally. Ill, I guess I knew there would That's be some like kind of Louis Walsh representation. I mean, Westlife dominated the top of the charts around this time, but the sixth song was just like of that Westlife ilk, but just even worse. So they got off the hook. Brian McFadden had like three number ones. Somehow they weren't as bad as six. So yeah, it was kind of cut and dry in the end. But there's a lot of crap out there as well, you know, and a lot of good stuff too. Uh, yes, fair play to the Irish record buying public on occasion, but pretty much only on occasion. And <laughs> um, this episode of No Encore, as with every occasion, was sonically architecturalized by our wonderful sonic architect. <laughs> well handled, you got there, Dave. <laughs> I, I I stumbled. It was like a fucking striker going through for an open goal and just stumbling on a divot, but I pulled it back in well, I managed and I hit to it say in the top conservatorship corner. this episode, which I <laughs> failed miserably at a few months ago. So we're evolving, we're growing, we're, we're getting there. Yeah, and like, you know, the sun's out a bit more. It's nice. Um, next week on the show, like I say, the track-by-track track episode with A. Smith will be along midweek. Uh, a lengthy chat about his new album, Last Animals, which is out now. Go listen to it. And we'll be back, of course, with another top five. We'll probably have an album review this time, and we'll have all the news that's fit to talk about on a music show. Tell your friends about this one. It would be great if you did that. And it's patreon.com slash noancore if you'll want to help support the show. It goes a huge, huge long way. Thank you so much for listening to us. My name is Dave Hanrady. This has been No Encore. There will be no Encore. We're back real soon. This podcast is part of the Hit Stuff Podcast Network. The only thing better than grinding all night for your side hustle is your roommate picking you up with Mickey D's breakfast. The perfect pickup deal. There's a deal for every morning at McDonald's. Right now, taste breakfast perfection when you get a warm and savory sausage McMuffin with egg for just $2.50. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with combo meal. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.